Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 138. And I'm going to say what I've just done, and I did it two episodes ago as well. I put my hands up to welcome you into the podcast, but you can't see me because this is just audio, so I don't know why we do that. But welcome back to R2Cast number 138. Our last episode was with a man I met in Tanzania called Martin Holman. And the only way I can possibly describe what Martin was like was he was the only person at that food summit of about 70 people that matched, if not was above my energy. So yeah, Martin is a psychopath, a psychopath, but it was really good fun to meet him and really good fun to film with him. And Martin's the best description of Martin is he's kind of like the Greg James of Norway. Um, he's quite a big deal up in Norway. Uh, so that was a really interesting episode. And what was really, really probably the most poignant part was um, Martin had to leave quite early. He was away to write a script for... Oh, what's it called? I'm never going to get this. The most famous orchestra in Norway. Obviously, I'm not a massive fan of orchestra, so I don't know much about the Norwegian orchestras, but he was a way to do that. Very big deal. But what the last thing we spoke about was, was Martin's gay and the issue he had going to Tanzania in a country that very much does not accept that lifestyle. It was pretty interesting, actually, just speaking about you know, what to me was just a, an annoying flight having to fly for 14 hours or whatever, to him was genuinely quite worrying for a week. So very interesting episode with an extremely um, greatly flamboyant guy, great to talk to, uh, but also with some reality to it. So a good episode there. The next episode we have, I can't remember. I can't remember who's next. Oh, it's not I can't remember. We just haven't got to filming it yet. Um, so, yep, in typical Wallace form, you should be expecting high organisation. But there is one episode I really do want to talk about before we get on to today's guest, and that is number 147. I realised about five episodes ago that 147 is quite a prominent number in some circles, that circle being snooker. So I thought, oh, I wonder if for 147 I can get a snooker player. And I don't really know how this happened. I don't really know how this podcast makes me meet so many people that can answer all these riddles and questions. But we have found a lady called Hilary Reid, who was one fourth in the world in the snooker rankings, fought for female representation in snooker because in the, in, I don't actually see what age Hillary was, I don't know Hillary's age, but it was in the 70s and 80s, um, there wasn't much female representation, she fought for that. So I don't think we'll give a much better episode for the one that is nine from now, but today's episode is also very interesting and I'm quite looking forward to this because as a lot of you guys know, I love looking into sort of diversification, especially from a social media perspective and how we utilise social media um, to better business and whatnot. Uh, and today's guest is is a perfect example of that. And that guest today is Izzy Rainey. Izzy, would you like to say hello? Hi. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. Are you uh, looking forward to this? Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. You have absolutely no reason to be nervous. Do you realise that I just started it by saying I'd forgotten two things? I mean, I did. Yeah, no. Absolutely <laughs> fine. Yeah, do not I, don't, I, was st- I was trying to stop, like, I was laughing, so I was trying to stop myself laughing because I can see you as well. <laughs> so as you can actually see me welcome you into the podcast the thing that you can't see and we actually started filming about 10 minutes late which was completely my fault because I walked into the flat 
and there was no power. So that was a, a shock to the system. Well, the opposite of a shock, actually, because there was no electricity. But um, yeah, we are we are a bit late. So as you know, there's absolutely no, no need to feel pressured by me. I am not someone that does things well. Um, <clears throat> give give the listeners, uh, Izzy, a bit of background to yourself. Who who Who's Izzy Rainey? Oh God, that's a big question. Isn't it? Um, I don't know. I hate analysing myself or discussing it. Um, well, I farm. I think that's I, I've struggled to say that for a long time, but I am a farmer. I've got Highland and Lincoln Red cattle in Norfolk. Um, I grew up on the farm, but it was nothing I ever thought I'd end up doing. Right. Um, because I actually studied at Glasgow School of Art. Um so I've got a degree in textile design and that is something, you know, I really thought that would probably consume my whole life and what I'd end up doing. Um, but in my final year of art school, my whole of my last project was based around the farm. <clears throat> and for some reason, I decided to start a design business with my best friend. We just, I don't really always think things through, which I think has been a pattern of my whole life. <laughs> like, I mean, and I think, my mum and dad have found it they find it quite erratic and I think at times stressful but I think they can see now it is actually beneficial in some ways like I don't plan anything I just like stumble across things and if someone gives me an idea or like you know or things trigger things I just go with it you know <clears throat> so like I think Laura and I were on holiday and I was like do you fancy just setting up a, a business and seeing if it goes well and she was like yeah because I've done loads of placements um, while I was at uni and being in London I'd been in like model agencies um, fashion brands like so many like different things and the natural progression into farming <laughs> yeah and then I think yeah I was just like oh I don't know if this is really for me so I was like I'll set a studio up on a farm and see how it goes and then I just got more and more involved in the cows and dad was just like you know he wanted to step back so he sold them all nine years ago and gifted me three. Excellent. And now I've got like 75. Um, but it took about until sort of four years ago till I was like, this is a massive overgrown hobby and it's costing me a fortune. <laughs> and I'm basically working three jobs to pay for it. So do you know what I mean? I was like, I need to actually make this viable. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, all in I all that i've got here <laughs> yeah find yourself in that position you're like yeah. what have i done yeah it was a bit like oh my god i've got 50 50 cows and this is not my full like this is not my full-time job this is not where i even envisaged that i was gonna get to do you know what i mean it just sort of it all just started unraveling and i did start social media probably i think it was like 2016 2017 okay and it's just yeah. because i literally wanted to look at my friends on holiday and like what like see what they're oh, doing you weren't you weren't starting social media for you you were just following yeah i just wanted uh, basically, got you, got i wanted you. to be able to see them and then they were like well you've got to post something and i was like well i don't want to start like you know doing selfies like that's just you know i i can't do that they were like just take you take so many good pictures of your cows because I was always sending it to them <laughs> and they were like oh like the girls are just like just, just you know posting pictures of the cows and then it literally the whole thing evolved from me just taking like cute calf photos here's amazing what cute calf photos can do though 
Yeah, it triggers a lot. <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's quite funny, actually. I always to take a, a slightly negative slant on it as well as a positive. I do. I did the sort of lamb side as well. It was more lamb that we have than the, more, more sheep we have than cattle. And uh, it brings out both sides in people. You get the, oh my God, they're so cute. And then the, why do you have them? <laughs> like, yeah. It's amazing the response it brings. I know. and But at that point, at least, like I have probably laid off a little bit, but at that point, at least I wasn't selling beef or anything. They were purely like a hobby. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. I was just, I mean, my mum was quite shocked at some point. She was like, the photo, she was like getting up her friend's daughters and being like, look at their lovely pictures of them, you know, on a night out. And they're like, and then there's you drenched in waterproofs, you know, next to soggy cows like she's like this is not what you want to be portraying and I was like yeah but it kind of is like that's what I'm about (laughs) that's and that's like do you mean it's just got a bit shameless (laughs) I love that your mum like almost posed an intervention (laughs) this is what you can be putting on Instagram yeah she was like showing me you know this is the thing this is what this is what people your age you know young girls at the point she's like this is what they're posting and this is what you're posting I was like yeah no I know but I was like, you know, I can't be in, I can't be in a mini dress, dressed out like I'm about to go out in Norwich doing my cows. That's not going to cut it. That's not. Yeah, that's if, not... if you're in the field, that's pretty impractical in fairness. Yeah, exactly. Quite a nightmare. Uh, yeah. If there's a gust of wind, you're in trouble. If yeah, it's just hailing torrents. It's all a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't getting. She wasn't getting the point of my Instagram at that point at all. She wasn't seeing my vision. <laughs> uh, before we get into the farm side, is it? It'd be quite interesting. I don't think we've had many folk on. That have been to Glasgow School of Art on the podcast. Um, I'm trying to remember. Do you know Jan Laird? Have you heard of Jan Laird? Came across Jan. No, um, Jan's got a really big ins- uh, no Facebook page uh, based on basically farming art, and she makes oh, okay. like, splash plates and she makes uh, like chopping boards and all that sort of stuff. Really good. Um, and I interviewed Jan not on the podcast. That was before the podcast. And I can't remember. I think she might have went to Glasgow School of Art. So I think it'd be number two out of about 160 episodes. So it's quite interesting to speak about that. Not a common thing, as we as we already sort of alluded to, um, involved in farming to have went to Glasgow School of Art. But could you tell us what what that process was like? Tell us what your degree was like. What was involved in that? So basically, I actually I chose Glasgow. Um, just because of the facilities are incredible like it's a really small art school so like right. on my I think on my in my course I think I'm right in saying there was 38 of us okay yeah it was really tiny so like I remember saying at school you know I really I'd visited Glasgow Edinburgh and then another one in London and I decided you know Glasgow's where I wanted to go and I actually in the end didn't put any others down it was just Glasgow so like if I didn't get in I actually have again I hadn't thought it through I don't know what would happen if I hadn't got in and my teacher was like oh we actually haven't had anyone be able to get into Glasgow for you know years and years so like they were like preparing me you know it would be possible I was just like yeah no I just really like it um so I went and basically yeah because it's because it's in Scotland it's four years in comparison to three years in England Um, it was just absolutely amazing I think it is obviously in the most beautiful setting. Um, Glasgow is an incredible place. It like it's obviously completely different when you've grown up like outside a village in Norfolk. <laughs> I never, I'd never even been in a club. <laughs> like when I went to Glasgow, I'd never even been in a club. I'd, I'd hardly like because I'm quite young for my years. I don't think I've really gone into many pubs or anything <laughs> i sound i was so sheltered oh, you're, you're, you're explaining my uni experience here like uh, the exact same 
exactly it's so different right here around here there's like one bus to Norwich like every few hours and you've got to go to like well it's not our village doesn't even have a bus do you know what I mean it's we, we it's so different <laughs> like going to Glasgow was a completely different experience and I absolutely loved it, it was so good and like, the textile degree was amazing because the facilities are so good and obviously textiles it can be print embroidery weave or knit and you just got the opportunity to try everything out for the first two years so it's really diverse like it's just so much opportunity and and it's just because it's so small and like, all the departments are so small you just get to know so many people it was just so it was just such a good experience and then in my last two years I specialized in print right okay so like a lot of screen printing, digital printing. I actually ended up doing a lot of hand stamping um, and hand printing because I, I'm, I'm like a very hands-on practical person um, and I computers and computerizing things isn't necessarily my favorite thing. Like again, it's too planned out. I'd rather just be like straight onto the fabric using my hands. And that's something I've continued to do in my, my work now. Like I do a lot of lino printing, stamping. So, you know, like carving, carving out into lino, um, creating my own stamps and shapes and that's a lot of my work now so I think in a strange way I just like I'm quite a practical person like on the farm like I love like if we can try and make stuff you know instead of yeah, buying sure. stuff I mean <clears throat> it's a financial thing as well like but I, I I do like doing all that sort of thing so I suppose in a way it does it does all link in but yeah that was like my Glasgow experience I was about to say I'm quite similar to you which would be <laughs> completely wrong given you've just spoke about art i am not talking about the art side good <laughs> i can barely write my own name um the the non-plan thing i i like to think i'm organized or i used to like to think i'm organized and then the more i speak to people like i was sitting um at our young farmers root and coffee show thing uh, on sunday there yesterday and i was speaking to someone and i was like wait a minute i'm going down to london on friday coming back on Sunday and flying down on Monday. That's silly. And they were like, do you not consider this? And I'm like, nah, I just said yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, it just, I don't know. It seems way too much to try. See, when you ask someone if you want to do something and they're like, well, I don't really know. I just don't do that. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it work. See what yeah, yeah. Just agree <clears throat> and think about it later. I think, like, I've started to consider it more, like, because I've been asked a lot, like, things like that. But I think it is a mentality as well, like, if you plan too much, it's just more disappointing when things don't happen. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that's my mentality. Like, and I don't know if it's just because of how I've grown up. Because I did obviously I grew up on the farm and you just got so used to things never happening. You just can't plan anything. So I think I just got used to like, or it sounds awful, but being disappointed from a young age. And and that's not like that makes it sound terrible, but like, you know, like I when I was six, like I took part in like my first ever Young Handlers at our local show and I was so excited. It was in like August. And then by October, my calf, he'd got pneumonia and died. And do you know what I mean? It's like from a young age, things, you're just so thrown into things, like things that for at some point just feel like your whole world and it's the best thing ever. And you've taken, in September, taken the rosette to school to show everyone. And then it's a few weeks later, it's just all, do you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. yeah. that you just get so used to it so I think in every aspect of my life I just don't plan anything because I'm just not that I'm waiting for things to go wrong but I feel like you can't plan too far ahead in certain and definitely farming is an industry like that because I think it's really difficult you know like 
you said oh let's do this podcast at six tonight I'm like perfect had you said 10 in the morning I'd have been thinking mm, probably something could go wrong but I'll agree to it but you know sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like I just got so much so like a lot more used to planning things in the afternoon so I've got time to rectify things in the morning and things but you, you do you just it's just a mentality and I think that's just why sometimes I'm like am I disorganized and then the other day I forgot to turn up to a meeting completely at 7 30 in the morning so I, I now need to write things now I'm using the diary I've got a diary but I don't seem to write anything in it I'm see like... that having a diary is impressive to me I don't write anything down so like the last so when I text you whenever it was Thursday like um 6 p.m on Monday I didn't consider it again until I text you yesterday just to make sure you text me yesterday which was really good because I was that useful yeah because ah grand I hadn't written it down, but that's what I mean. I've got this diary. I carry it around and I don't write anything in it, but I buy one every year. But this is my new thing is like, because otherwise I get so overwhelmed trying to rack my brain of what I'm always, I was like constantly like reciting in my head. Like it was going around all the time what I've got to do. I need to write it. Like I was like, I need to start writing it down. Like someone said that to me like two weeks ago. So I was like, there's so many things. I just, then I forget. Then they drop out. Do you know what I mean? Start dropping out of my head. This is not what I expect us to be talking about, but it's an interesting one. How how in your head do you sort of compartmentalise what's coming up? Like in my head, after two weeks, like if it's further than two weeks from now, it is not in there. It's just, it doesn't exist. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't exist. Yeah, I I, And I feel like this is like, so my best friend, Lara, who I also run my thing, yeah. she's so organised and she thinks if I hadn't, I'm always like, I can't. Can't even think about it, and I, this is the phrase I can hear myself. I say it to her all the time. Can't even think about it. I'm always like, I can't think about that. I can't, you know. I just like I think now you said it. I'm like, I can't consider too far ahead. It, it, it's just too much. Like I think I always do it week by week. Weeks about as far as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I can probably sum. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably probably two weeks. I'm sort of like next week these things are happening, and then this week I know what's mm. happening. Yeah, but yeah. it was quite funny, the shock in your face. <laughs> when I said two weeks, you were like, what? <laughs> that is a lot. My eyes are popping out. <laughs> I'm like, too much. Too much. <laughs> Can't even consider this. Um, t- tell us a bit about it's Lara, isn't it? Lara? Yeah, Lara. So Lara's my best friend. Oh. I've been, so, God, now I've got to work out how long. Seven. Wait, hang on. How old am I? I'm 31. Eight, 18, 18 years we've been friends. Oh wow! Yeah, I had to work that out. Um, so eighteen years we've been friends, and that high school yeah. that started. Or... Pardon? Is that, is that like secondary school that started? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or... No, that's how I was just working out. Yeah, so yeah, eighteen years, and um, yeah, we run our textile business, and it works well because she's so organized. So she does all like the wholesale, you know, talking to customers planning the events you know like because we do like fairs and markets yes. and stuff um so she does all that side of things and then I just and she deals with she actually does help deal with like quite a lot of the production so like all the because I design everything um so I'm always I do plan ahead in that sense I suppose because I'm always like I've designed Christmas back in June wow. I've now just finished the collection for January February so I do that and then she organizes like one I get all the fabric sorted and then she organizes it getting made into the products because yeah. we outsource the making because I made everything to begin with but because now we supply about 50 sort of sh- like independent shops and farm shops yeah. like 
throughout the UK. Um, so Lara's taken on sort of, you know, what pencil cases get made in that fabric. And she sorts all that, that side of it as well, because that's a lot of, yeah, sort of like it's stock. It's a lot, like I say, doesn't it? It's, uh... Yeah, it's like, what stock do we need and stuff like that? So I'm just, and I do remember now, like when I was at uni, like people were saying, like, you, it's better to work in a partnership, but in this sense, because otherwise... You, it's so hard to push your business forward all the time because mm. you need new ideas so if you're the one manufacturing something that you just all your time gets consumed by that and then you can't keep and like create creativity takes time i think folk forget oh, this God. like yeah. you know you're looking at like the the stuff that in 99 percent of people's matter heads matter the making the manufacturing the sale and the whatever the promotion but they never consider the time that and I know the only time I think is when I'm walking and I'll just walk for three hours most nights and then I'll just be thinking that whole time, like, oh, that's an idea. That's an idea. Without that, I don't think of anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's time to compute it. It's so important to have that time to focus as well. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates, the UK over, and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification yeah and sometimes like there's times where you literally feel like you've come up with nothing and it feels like a waste of time but it's not because like you say you're just coming up with ideas and but like you say you need to just that's all you are focusing on if you know what I mean um but I think that's when like as well the farm is quite good like I like having because sometimes you can have a complete block like where it's just not happening do you know what I mean so it's quite I think I've really found having two quite different environments as well like really good and both of them have worked well in the sense because I feel like there's a lot of more there's a lot more things on the farm which are really out of my control okay um which is like farming in general isn't it like if the weather's crap for sure like, am i allowed to say that i don't know oh yeah um, no absolutely not a problem yeah, yeah, not oh. <laughs> but you know like there's a lot more things that go wrong i don't know like financially as well like i don't know bad carving could end up in like a 500 quid bill and you didn't see that coming but if something goes wrong in the studio usually it's like my fault so i mean if, yeah, sure. you know but like if i ordered i don't know i i order a a load of cards and I haven't uh, there's a blip on the design or something it's usually my fault because I haven't concentrated on the proof or something do you know what I mean it's not out of my control it's usually my fault whereas a lot of things I feel like that happen on the farm they're more stressful because it's like do you know what I mean there's like a, a wind storm and like things start going wrong do you know what I mean I don't know it, it's just like there's a lot more hidden issues um and sometimes that can I feel cause a little bit more stress. So it's quite nice to sort of shut the door and go in the studio and focus on something else. And you can sort of make, turn a bad day into a good day. Does that make sense? I, I, the, the, the weather thing was one thing I really struggled with in farming. I don't farm anymore. I like yeah. agriculture, <laughs> speak to folk in farming and help mum and dad here and there at lambing time. So weather doesn't matter. They have to come out. Yeah. Um, but I really struggled with that. I really struggled with the, like, I might not be fully organised, but I know what's happening on Monday, what's happening on Tuesday, what's happening on Wednesday. But you just can't do that. And I really struggle with that. Really struggle with that. Because yeah. it throws it about all the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I think... Like, oh, I should have done that the other day. And, oh, that, that would frustrate me hugely. Yeah. But that's why I always, like, I think if if on the farm, if the weather's good, 
just I never try and just don't put off anything if, if you can squeeze any more into the day so I think that's like sometimes I'm gonna say my mum again but she's like oh go go home earlier like rested it I'm like yeah but if you can get it done like because for all I know, like last week, it just literally, we're trying to lay a water pipe and sort it all out. And like last week, it just literally was so windy and so wet. And do you know what I mean? Digging a metre trench and sorting yeah. that out, which is really wasn't on the cards. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some things like it's just not feasible to do all of that when that's, so you're like, when you get a chance, you just got to do it. Because like you say, I mean, in the summer, so Dean and I, he like every morning we'd like, have another every morning the plan was just changing from the night before because the weather's so bad through the harvest and it is just like you say you just can't plan anything um and I think it's harder for like friends as well outside of it like I mean sometimes you're like I want to say yes and I want to say we're going to do something but if the weather's good on that day I I can't do I mean it it's so they're like, so we've got to go to the beer garden when it's raining? Yeah, <laughs> I know. This is the thing. I hate that. And I'm like, I really want to say yes. And I don't want to let people down and stuff. But yeah, I do feel bad sometimes in that instant. So tell us, Izzy, because it's quite, it's quite a big thing. I mean, you have a studio now. You, you'd said to your friend, um, let's start a business, which I'm sure... 50% of folk have said to their friends, let's start a business together. That'll be fun. It very rarely works. First off, it very rarely happens. It very rarely starts. But the next stage, it, working with friends is hard. I think it'd be fair to say in a lot of cases. You know, you think you're best friends and you think you can do nothing wrong. Um, but then sort of having the stress of a business and that can start to jeopardise that. But you guys have obviously made it work really well. Uh, tell us about that process. Um, I think we're very very honest people. But I, I, I think that I think and we knew each other very well. I because I, I agree with you because obviously through like because we've been doing it for nine years now and I would completely agree with you. I have seen so many friends. Like yeah, it, it has gone pear shaped and yeah. like obviously because I didn't we went into it so naively like had no idea um obviously we've done a lot of markets and fairs and trade shows and all different things like from the very beginning and you do sort of you meet so many different people and I think I mean that's where we've learned so much it's just talking to people as you as you know exactly what you're doing is basically talking to people is oh god there's nothing like it really I don't think you can learn any other way like that is it's just the most organic way to learn anything. And we oh, we have seen, you know, so many businesses, just like you say, just, and it's always friends. It's really sad, actually. But I think because we had no idea, like, probably if we'd done it later, we had a bit of understanding. It probably would have scared us, actually. When, when did you start it, sorry? 2014. So basically 10 years ago then, yeah. And, um, but yeah, we've seen so many people start, literally and then maybe friendships fall apart or it doesn't quite work and you know but with I don't really know I think we're both very honest and I think Lara would agree with me that we're both very good at like I know I'm not the easiest person like I know I'm erratic and I know that I start something and I go off on like five minutes later I'm like let's do this and Lara's like whoa let's do this now like you wanted to start this task 
let's fit she always says this like let's finish this one before we move on to the fourth task which you're now <laughs> I mean I'm always like I start something we'll be back in Christmas cards and I'll be like right we need to do the photos for this and Lara's like we haven't even finished this I'm very like all over the place and my mind starts going I'll be talking about like, I need to go on the farm I need to do this like I am a bit like that whereas Lara's like bullet point plan and we do it like that throughout the day which is a lot better way of doing things (laughs) I do understand that and she's so organized and she loves writing lists and ticking things off and highlighting stuff and do you know what I mean can you imagine it's um so different but it's we're so polar opposite but we're both like very honest with each other so if I'm annoying her she can say it and if she's annoying me I can say it. So it's not like hidden. There's nothing underlying because we are more like sisters. For I'd sure. Exactly. I've got sisters. I've got sisters as well. So I know exactly what it's like. And you're better just to talk, say it, do you know what I mean? Get it out in the open. Um, the, the self-awareness thing is important, isn't it? Like you're saying, you know, like I'm erratic, but I know it. That's so yeah. important. Like I, I must be a nightmare to be, an an employee like my poor boss John must be like fuck <laughs> he never stops and I don't like I'll respond to emails at four in the morning I'll be like high strung the whole time I talked for eight hours today at like this level you know like high energy all the time and then I'll suddenly be like oh that's an idea I'm gonna do it and John's like whoa just wait a minute but he doesn't yeah. do that because I think I'm aware of what I'm like and he's aware of how to use it as well. But the, the biggest challenge is if you're like the way you are, maybe the way I am, or even for that matter, the way Lara is, and you don't know, then it becomes a challenge. Well, know? yeah, exactly. And if someone's like, if then if someone says, oh, you're, you're being like this, then you take it really, really personally. Yeah. But I mean, and you feel like you're being like analysed or something. But yeah, no, we know each other so well. So like, I can tell like, like she knows as well. Because that, that's the other thing. Sometimes you are like, because I am very like, they all say it. I'm either up here or I'm down there like because it's just a personality trait and so it'll be like she can just accept if it's one of those days do you <laughs> know what I mean? or if something's gone really wrong outside do you know what I mean she's seen she sees it all because otherwise I think and I think we both really see the benefit of the two of us because right, yeah. when you run your own business and because I do the farm, like, on my own, like, that's my, my thing. I do sometimes feel really, like, obviously I've got a lot of support, like Dean and my dad, he literally, he's more like a, because we're not in business together, dad just helps me as a dad. Like, he, you know, as he said the other day, like, he's there for emergencies and he's there now as a dad supporting me, which is really yeah. nice. He has no, you know, it sounds weird but no financial interest or anything it's like as a dad helping a daughter it's so nice like honestly it's so lovely that we've got that stage now um and he's sort of helping me to build my business now um because he's 82 do you know what I mean he's just, 82 wow yeah and we have fun do you know what I mean yesterday he was trying to help me got his tractor completely stuck and I was like <laughs> do you know what I mean? we, we we have moments and it's really fun but so I have got a lot of support but at the end of the day it's like my business and it's quite a lot sometimes like you feel lonely in a way even I'm not, that sounds weird but because it's all on you so when something goes wrong you feel it all yourself it's well yes yeah. whereas 
and you always feel like you're always asking for help like I sometimes I'm like oh you know again I've got to say something's gone wrong please can you come and help me you know it, it does feel a bit like loaded whereas I think like doing the design business of Villara oh we've had so many disasters over the years but honestly because it's just trial and error but because we've had each other you know either it's been a shoulder to cry on or like if I've messed something up or if she's messed something up it's like oh don't worry you know I don't care do you care like you know if I've messed up a design or something haven't checked artwork or something properly Lara's always like it's not the end of the world is he do you know what I mean you know I know sometimes it's been financial and stuff or we've done fairs and they've been like horrific and we haven't you know made my you know things like that but we're like oh just another stepping stone we won't do it again you know it's it's sort of like that constant support like I don't think I would ever have got this far like we neither of us would have got that this far without each other and that I to put this you're always your harshest critic aren't you I am I mean I have a colleague Gemma right Gemma started six months before me we were in uni together the whole time we're slightly different courses but same year we did a lot of crossover um we're totally different we're probably like the you and Lara actually Gemma's like the Lara I'm like the you uh, and I would say twice a week at least I'll say I'm such an idiot man I've done this and Gemma's like and and then two minutes later she'll say the same thing and I'm, she's like and I'll be like uh oh, why does it matter? And she's like, why don't we take your advice? And I say it to her. And it's so true. Like, you never give yourself that lenience. Yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly. You've got to be perfect the whole time. And I think that's probably that's probably a characteristic of folk that are running businesses or running their own thing or doing well in life. Like, they, they push themselves. But you do need that person to be like, and? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Who cares? Right. It's fine. It's not the end of the world. That's what I, yeah. Uh, I think that is that is the thing. Sometimes you just need a bit of perspective, don't you? Yeah, yeah you're, 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 you're so caught up in the, I'm rubbish at this, I'm rubbish at this, I'm rubbish at whatever. Uh, but yeah, it overcomes you, absolutely. Um, on the on the farm side of things, Izzy, it's, uh, I didn't realise the size of it, in fairness. Because when you said, you know, you were gifted three cows, I was like, oh, this is, I wonder what she's worked it up to. I didn't expect 75 to be the number. Um, that's pretty notable uh <laughs> what was what was involved in going from three to 75 was was the intention ever to take those three to even double figures no it literally was like yeah I never just never thought about it like I really I've always loved the cows and I've always enjoyed showing like that was that's my huge thing that's how I got like the most involved like from probably like five six years old I mean Mum and dad always took me, I start, they started taking me to shows when I was two weeks old. Oh, really? so, yeah, so I went to the Royal when I was two weeks old and that was the first show they took me to. Because um, my dad loves telling the story that a nurse came up to him and said, excuse me, sir, your baby's turning blue. And uh, they, my mum and dad were too busy with the cows. I think they'd forgotten about their new baby. <laughs> but my dad loves to say, well, look at her, there's nothing wrong with her, is there? Look, and he loved that as his favourite. He's just like, look, that was fine. Do you know what I mean? She's actually like, I was like, yeah. So he loves that story. But um, <laughs> so I've always been fully immersed in that side of it. So I, because I like the hands-on, you know, like hands-on, like animal husbandry stuff. I love, love animals so much. Um, yeah. I'm, I really am a people person, but I absolutely love animals. Always have done. Um, <clears throat> and I hated school. Okay. 
yeah so I really hated school and I remember at 16 literally feeling like I was rubbish at everything and saying you know I really want to go to agricultural college and um yeah the teacher was like no like it's not like not a girls thing and you know that's so frustrating and I was really Uh. like okay and then mum said she felt like my personality wouldn't cope because like I'm really sensitive um and I think she feels like because it's like a man's world and like you know you've got to be really tough and and I she just felt like I wouldn't be able to stick it um so like I managed to find like art as a thing and I actually did like art as GCSE which I never would have considered doing but um the teacher had said like oh maybe you consider this and that's how it all sort of stemmed like just from doing a GCSE and art and stuff so yeah I had thought and like the whole way through Glasgow School of Art I I showed um cattle up in Scotland as well so like I kept it did keep involved I've always like it's probably up until I thought like sport and up until like yeah I was probably 15 16 I thought sport and cows were about the only thing I was good at like literally I was like and how could I honestly thought like how would I have a career in that so I just put that to the back um but yeah when I sort of took it on it was more of a nostalgic thing I was like oh this will be so sad if they all go and because dad had written me a letter and um He'd given me a lifetime membership to the Highland Castle Society, where oh, yeah. all the cattle, you know, like the so all pedigree cattle, don't they get registered to society? So he gave me a lifetime membership and wrote me a letter and said, I'm giving you this because I'd love for you to always have an interest in Highland cattle, whether you keep them or not. Oh, that's then, so sweet. It was really, and if you met my dad, you'd be like, Oh my god, I like geez, he's not a very emotional person. <laughs> like god that is cute that is so it was so i, I don't know your dad at all my heart <laughs> if you met him, honestly it was so it's really lovely thing because i think he knew i always loved them so i kept them and then i just started showing them kept sort of breeding them and then because i'd always loved lincoln reds um and i'd been getting um like the sale um catalog since i was 14 and I'd really like them, but, you know, dad being very traditional, like until you can buy them and pay for them all yourself, you can't have them. So in 2017, um, I got three Lincoln red heifers um, and I sort of chose them because Highlands, obviously, they are absolutely beautiful. I absolutely love them. I've grown up with them. They're a brilliant breed, but they're not the most commercial very uncommercial um, yes as a, as a scotsman it's not easy to say they're gorgeous they're gorgeous yes yeah but they aren't the most commercial and especially like around here you know it is hard to get them processed and things like that um and they don't grade like you know how like commercial carcasses grade they just don't grade well even though it's the most beautiful beef um <clears throat> it's so lean but it's full of flavor because obviously because they're a smaller breed you keep them for a lot longer um so there's financial implications as well because you keep them for almost twice the like twice the amount of time as like a commercial um bullock but then they live on a lot like rougher ground you know they're a lot more good doing so there's the like there, there, there is like pros and cons of them but the lincoln red basically is another na- native breed they have like similar characteristics to the highlands but they're that much bigger and they finish faster so i rent a lot of land around here so dad's actually got 45 acres but I rent another 100 on top and a lot of it is water meadows and you know very sort of like mixed forage sort of like you know they graze 
marshes and things like that. So I needed something that would suit those sort of systems. And I'd always loved the Lincoln Reds. And yes, yeah, so basically I've got three and I've multiplied those up as well. So I'm running two herds now, um, but it's worked really well. And because obviously farming has changed a lot, even in the last sort of six, seven years, and there's a huge push um, in regenerative farming. I mean, it's such a like buzzword at the moment. I think a lot um, of people say it and they don't know what it means. Yeah, yeah. But, but in a way, I'm quite lucky where obviously for years you know the continental um they were the cattle you know everyone wanted and that was what the butcher wanted I mean my grandpa was a butcher and he always wanted the limousin cross you know the Belgian blue cross that is what you know that they wanted um and he butchered a highland once and said never again so whereas now with this huge push behind, you know, regenerative biodiversity, um, a lot of the land I graze, um, a lot of them have got clauses on basically that they only want native breeds. Yeah. And like a lot of these land, they will only receive payments if they get native breeds. Um, so I'm really lucky now that I actually get offered quite a lot of grazing because of the two breeds, which has worked out quite well for me. Um, and they're definitely the breeds of the future, I think. Um, just the way that they convert grass and, you know, they'll literally eat anything. And the way they graze, it really helps, you know, the environment and stuff. So they're beneficial now. For a long time, I was like, oh, is this the right idea? But I think the way that beef is definitely going, yeah, they are. We we said off camera, is it about about the podcast? And you said you'd seen a couple of episodes, and I'd mentioned Amy Wilkinson. I think you should listen to it. Very similar system, salt marsh beef. Um, however, on the other side of the country, but uh, it, it's an interesting battle. The whole food security versus environmental sustainability, isn't it? Because you've on one hand you've got we've got over eight billion people. <laughs> we need to feed them something, and then the other hand you've got well. We've got to do it sustainably. And it's a really tough battle. I mean, I have this chat with students a lot. You know, like, what's more important? Is it important that everyone on the planet today eats? Or is it important that in 500 years the world's still here? It's so it's so difficult. It's a really, because you look at it from now, I want everyone to eat that's around me. But I want my great, 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 great grandkids to be around as well. But also I've got no emotional attachment to them. So it's hard to care about them. It's really, it's a really hard discussion. And... Like you say, Lincoln Red Highlands, you know, whatever the sort of the product of the future, if you will, I think in a lot of ways they are. Um, I'm actually not a massive fan of push hard products like your Continentals and that. I don't like it. It doesn't work in my head. It doesn't feel natural in the slightest. Um, but do we need that? To, it's a really just it's a confusing one, and and I think the 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 system you guys have is is able to sort of sort of work around that beef box idea I guess you know you're able to you're able to sort of sell on added value in some way because it's a better product yeah and that's that's got to happen um yeah. you, you have started beef boxes haven't you you've done them for some time haven't you Are they yeah, since two, yeah. yeah since 2019 yeah because right. I started <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I think I was so lucky because I'd started <laughs> selling it because I was working in a pub because I, 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 I used to work in pubs until bef just before covid um and I was working in a pub and the chef there just said to me like 
oh is he will buy a bullock off you because I like talked about my cows and stuff and I was like oh really you know like I think you're like I was like really and so they actually bought quite a few and it was really good because I was like don't tell anyone it's my beef do you know what I mean because <laughs> I'll be mortified and like but and it was really good because it was direct feedback everyone was making so many comments about it because they could taste like such a difference yeah, yeah. and it was Highland at that stage because I um yeah it is really beautiful so tender and I because I hadn't got any Lincoln Reds finished at that point because I was in the early stages of them but and that really was what gave me the boost basically is everyone's feedback from working in the pub because I was just as far as they knew I was just the waitress but I was just I was like oh how was your meal sir do you know what I mean and then they'd be like who is this beef in particular I don't care about anything else just out of interest yeah how was this meal (laughs) it was so good and what was also really good was I got so many good pictures like so like Simon the head chef like made it all look so beautiful so I was like always taking pictures on the pass and stuff I I was like this is such good marketing do you know what I mean because I can then put it on like my Instagram and it all just went and then from I stopped um supplying and just went straight to direct selling because I could just make more money because I wasn't making to be honest I really wasn't making much selling it to the pub um but I just used it as more of a just like a sort of experiment slash marketing tool do you know what I mean it was a good because around here it's a really nice pub um and like yeah I say it's quite upmarket and like they make all the food look really nice and yeah it was really I got loads of good pictures they shouted about it and you know it was it was a good sort of push like a confidence for me to start that and then obviously Covid hit and then it all just sort of did and I've asked a few folk this I am one of the people that answer this answer yes to this question but it does come with a hint of guilt was Covid good for you Yes, and that sounds yeah, really bad. It yeah. does, but I, I, but it should it sound bad? I don't think it should. Uh, I was the same. It was for me, yeah. but um, I guess people were at home and they were like, "Oh, let's try and get some," you know. Yeah, and I, I think it was just completely different. I think just people had time to think, and I know this is going to sound bad, but I think people were better off, weren't they? Yeah, well, you were working from home on at least eighty percent, or not working yeah. from home you were on at least 80% for doing nothing. Yeah, and, like, I think a lot of people had this extra income because they weren't, like, spending it on fuel or eating out. I think some people, I know some people who were like, oh, my God, we're saving so much money. And I think people then also had this whole thing, like, shop local, support small, you know, support small business. Like, there was all these, like, words being thrown around, and it was beneficial, and then when the and the farm shop thing as well like that became a huge thing like I know there's quite a few businesses here who just went from there's one business around here who went from literally a shed on the side of the road to now they've got a massive farm shop and that literally is COVID boosted so I do think a lot of it you know it really did help and the farmer's market because the farmer's market opened up earlier than anything else yeah and that was a huge thing um I also got featured on a BBC program with the farmers market as well, and that oh, really because okay. yeah, because I hadn't, I'd only done everything, you know, locally, like just local deliveries and things at that point, and then I started curing the beef after that. Because yeah. yeah. obviously people then saw it on the TV and then got in contact. So then that's when I set up a website because 
the logistics were getting nightmare because people were ordering through WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook Messenger. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, the orders, I couldn't compile them. I couldn't remember where they were coming from. <laughs> I can imagine for someone with your brain as well, that was a nightmare. Yeah, it was just like, oh, God, how did they order? Like, do you know what I mean? I was like, I need to... The lady who runs the farmer's market, as soon as the program went out, she just texted me like, now it's time. To <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. I saw I quickly did it. But yeah, that was, I'd say that was very lucky as well. Yeah. The program that coinciding with COVID like changed everything. You said like it feels bad, but I don't know. <laughs> It does feel bad in a sense because there was a lot of people that were in a really bad spot with COVID. And dear, I've said it on numerous occasions. That that sort of April to June period is one of the best two months of my life. <laughs> you know, I was, I was getting paid 80% as salary, which was a rubbish salary, but even still, I was back home with mum and dad's just living up in the farm. And and it was, you know, I had time to start all this stuff I do now, this brand I have now. And it was just the weather was amazing as well. Like it was, yeah. um, yeah. It doesn't make you feel a wee bit guilty that some folk were suffering, and yeah. But it's you know, I, I don't, I don't think you can look at it that way. In fairness, you've got to realise that everyone gets a different hand, and you work with your hand how you do, you know. Yeah, exactly, and I think you just have to adapt and yeah. like because it was like that with my other business. Like we were like, oh my god, all the shops are shut. We can't, you know, the trade fair we go to in London was cancelled, and we were like, this is just. I, we we thought that that would be the end of our business. We we did, really did you sell online. Did you sell much online through COVID? Yeah, right? but this is what I, was, I was like. But then online went crazy. Yeah, like it was honestly for two years. It was berserk. And but when we honestly thought it would be the end, and we were like, oh my gosh, we because we were just picking because it takes a long time to build a business like that, yeah. and. We were like, we were like, oh God, we, we're just getting to a stage where we were like, oh yeah, you know, you feel like it's going somewhere. We were like, this is, oh, and then that hit, and I was like, oh my God, we're going to lose everything we work for. Yeah. And but it worked like, out, worked out. It did. And it was like, it sounds awful, but it was so good. <laughs> um, and then we've adapted again because now we're in a cost of living crisis and, you know, a new pair of oven gloves is not necessarily something that you really need <laughs> i'll be like, honest i'll put my hands up and say i don't think i've ever thought until my oven gloves i'm touching the metal that i'm picking up well, no. i don't thought i need new oven gloves no exactly I'm not the target audience. I mean. that's uh, why i mean like this is why it is a bit <laughs> difficult and we've had to adapt again and you know we're now mostly stationary like cards and wrapping paper because you know the sales because it cost of produce because we produce everything in the UK and obviously the cost of producing in the UK has just gone crazy. So there's only so much anyone's going to pay for a tea towel and we've just had to adapt so much. So we've definitely gone more down like cards and wrapping paper this year, just because I mean, so many of the companies we work with, they folded this year as well. Yeah. Because running factories in the UK is so expensive. So but yeah. I, but the, the... The thing about running factories in the UK means it's probably been it's probably been produced ethically. A lot of outsourcing to Southeast Asia and stuff. It's you know it's oh not really produced, you know, and it's a it's quite sad. <laughs> it's it really, really sad. It's really sad. But I definitely I just want to produce everything in the UK and at the moment we still can do that. And I for me it's just having a relationship with everyone. Like yeah. I just like to be able to talk to who's producing stuff and who's printing things for me. And if I've made a mistake and I, I need to quickly ring someone, you know, I want to be able to just sure. 
Yeah. Yeah, everyone knows who, because most of them we've been dealing with since the very beginning, so they know us, so it's really nice. But... That is nice. That's, that's really positive that I'm able to WhatsApp, WhatsApp someone was an issue instead of having to send like a generic message to a website must be so much yeah. easier. Yeah, so exactly, exactly. Yeah. No. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. It's, uh, it's For those of you listening, you won't be able to see this, but I was very stressed, obviously, at the start that my power had went out. It looks like the light in Norfolk has just disappeared. I was going to turn the light on because it looks, it's just suddenly gone really dark. Like, it's not even, it's okay, still light here. Like, it's it? still light. Oh, genuinely, my, my curtains are shut, but I'm sure if you. Oh. It's still light through there. I know. I suddenly look like, I suddenly look like just a little light bulb didn't i my face i was like this is a little really weird it was maybe in the last two minutes it just randomly i was thinking it all close it's so long <laughs> I <didn't even> <laughs> <notice> this. <laughs> i'm definitely gonna leave that bit that's quite funny um the <laughs> yeah it's oh the, the covid thing was a weird old thing i, I think some folk it, it, it broke them and some folk it made them but um you guys certainly acclimatised pretty well, and you, you mentioned <clears throat> you mentioned about that um, show about uh, farmers markets. Were you not on Radio One as well? Were you not with a uh, Newsbeat? Yeah, the... yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Tell us about that. That was really funny. That was um, that was during the harvest. It was really funny because I got a phone call, and I was like, they just they just launched straight into it, and he was like, yeah. oh, "This is Jack from Radio One." And I was like. <laughs> Is this a prank? <laughs> he was like, right, no. Yeah, he was like, no. He was like, I just want to come to your farm. I was like, it's four thirty in the afternoon. It's like four thirty, and he wanted to be there the next day. I think he was at the farm at six thirty the next day, and he's in right. Birmingham. And he was like, I just all I need is somewhere to stay, like a hotel in walking distance. I was like, right. I don't even know if there's a hotel in our local town <laughs> and our local town is like 15 minutes away. He was like, right. How's the sort of um, taxi services? I was like, well, there's only one man in the village. And like, I was like, he'll be booked up. Cause if we want Jim, the taxi driver who we all love, I was like, we have to be like four weeks, do you know what I mean, in advance. Like, he's My favourite so thing is he's like, what's the taxi service? Well, Jim's good. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, he was like, <laughs> He was like, right. He was like, are you, you're quite remote then. I was like, well, yeah, we're like a mile outside, like a rural village. And I was like, you know, and I was, I said to him, like, I really don't know if I'm the person for you. And he was like, no, no, no. He was so funny. He was like, after this conversation, you're the person for me. <laughs> I was like, right. I think because I was just like, I was like, this isn't, I just don't think, how are you going to be? Like, how are you going to get from Birmingham to here in like, 14 hours he was like um, he was like leave it with me I'm gonna be there and in the end he had to stay like in Kings Lynn which is like 45 minutes from here because okay. it's the, yeah, yeah. Like, the nearest place with a hotel I just realized do you mean 6 30 in the morning to get yeah there? yeah sorry I picked, I picked up on that I thought you meant like 26 hours later right okay, no well, no no like 14 hours yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's when he was 
when he was saying all this, uh, I didn't, I was like, where are you? He was like, Birmingham. I was like, oh, I was like, no, I'm, I'm not the person for you. I'd love to do it. But I was like, I'm really, I'm really not. And then, then he was there. And he, and I, I loved it because he was like, I've got to tell you a secret. And I was like, what? And he was like, I don't own any wellies. I was like, okay. He was like, I've never even tried wellies on. So he <laughs> these really nice Nike trainers. So we had to find him wellies. It was just, honestly, he was just, and it was just pouring with rain. And because the whole thing was about how wet the harvest had been. Yeah. And I was like, he was like, this is so wet. He was like, we don't have to walk far. And I was like, but isn't this, this is good ambiance, isn't it? Because I was like, Basically, the whole thing is the whole issue is the rain, and now it's actually yeah. chucking, and it was chucking it. But no, it was fun. I didn't really understand what, again what was going on because it was all so last minute. But it was really, it was really fun. I loved. I really liked doing the radio because doing TV is a bit more self conscious. Like, okay, are you right? okay for it? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I did a documentary as well called like My Norfolk Farm, and it was like BBC. They did oh. Um, um, a series called We Are England. Okay. And it was focusing on all like lots of different industries within the UK and about how like industry is changing. Right. So this episode was about like how farming and diversification, like you said, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the focus of the episode. And they came to the farm and it was like how basically how the farm, my little my business wouldn't survive without diversification. But I had found doing that really self-conscious. The farmer's right. market less so because it was more chilled because it was more about the farmer's market selling the beef, whereas the documentary was just about me and it was quite an intense process. It was seven weeks of filming. Seven weeks. Like, yeah, and when you're not used to being filmed and things like that, it's... I've, it's I've just looked cool. at it. I mean, from a self-conscious perspective, the photo was very cool of you and the Hale Cow. It's a very cool uh, thumbnail. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's weird being on camera, isn't it? I mean, I'm a weirdo. I absolutely love it, but um, it's it's tricky, and I think there is the social media is bad for it. It's so image based, isn't it? And it's like you've got to look perfect, and like yeah. like what your mum was saying. This is what everybody does, is he? Um, yeah, yeah. Like I'm the opposite. I'm like you. I've put the right. There's one photo that I would say every time. Nah. I would two out of three times I get interviewed, people mention it if they follow me then. Where basically I'd went, went shopping with my friend Gemma, who's very fashionable, right? She um there's a different Gemma I mentioned earlier. She was at a Milan fashion week, like that type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and she wasn't yeah. doing anything at it, but she was there. She's like that type. Um and she doesn't think she's fashionable, but I look at her and I'm like, is that even close? Like this is so oppressive that this is fashion, right? And I was like, Oh, I might get a Hugo Boss t-shirt. Right, I'm and you don't really know me, is he? I'm a big person. You probably can't see in the, the the thing. Like, I wear Hawaiian shirts that probably distorts the fact that I'm about twenty stone, right? But I went and <laughs> you go boss, and I was like, something will fit me. I don't know why I suddenly became really camp when I tried to go boss on. But um, I put this t-shirt on, and good heavens, it looked like I was due with three. Right? I mean, like it looked like I was due in a week or two with three kids. Yeah, and I took this photo right where I proper pushed my tummy out as much as I could, and. Uh, my gran was livid because she didn't see the photo. I was like, eh, oh, um, really good weekend in Edinburgh, Gemma. Eh, now we're pregnant, right? <laughs> we are oh, pregnant. There was no photo of Gemma. Um, Gemma's in a like, 10-year relationship with money. Like, I mean, that's not the intention. I just looked huge. But then I got a phone call from my gran saying, 
Wallace, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? Right? Like, Gran, you're not going to be a great grandparent. You're fine. Right? Yeah, it's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> but this photo, I look huge in. And I'm like, I put this on Instagram. And so many folk are like, I wish more folk were like this on Instagram. And yeah, I, yeah. I'm not blowing my own trumpet here, but I do wish it was. Because everyone's got to look perfect the whole time. Yeah, I think it is. And it's really pressurising. I mean, yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad no one can see me because when I got in, I was getting very stressed. Um, I was getting, when I get nervous, I get really hot. So I just had to put my pyjama top on. <laughs> I'm so hot. I was like, I haven't got time to find anything. So I just put my pyjama top on. And I'm just sitting here in my pants as well, which is terrible. But I'm so hot. I was like, I'm just putting a t-shirt on. And I'm so hot. That's why when I had to turn the light on, I was carrying the laptop with <laughs> Hold it up, just looking at the ceiling and cut it and go. And I've actually just realised now you've pointed out your pajamas. I thought it said religious hope, but it no, says rebellious hope. It says rebellious. Hope. <laughs> it's a totally I, was like, I just got really hot, and I was like, so then when we were like on the cat, I was like, I really hope this is not being filmed because this is terrible. <laughs> so I just had to get everything off and just put a t-shirt on because I was like, I'm getting hot, I'm getting panicked, I'm getting stressed. I was like, I'm just the heat is rising, even though it's not hot today. But I was like. So yeah, no. If I had been videoed, I'd be really yeah. I'd probably be, I'd be stressed because like on Instagram, I never talk to the camera or anything. I don't oh, do not, like okay, got you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like do talking camera stuff. Like I just yeah, oh, I don't want, it's too nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'd be great at it. You talk great. Um, <laughs> there's there's two reasons I no longer film video. Uh, I'll say one of them on camera. I'm not saying the other reason, but the first one is. Uh, the main one, in fairness, was when you're filming about eight hour and a half videos a month, it takes a ridiculous amount of time to upload. <laughs> I would yeah. be sitting on my phone like uploading overnight every day, like it'd be taking forever. So that's that's why it stopped. It stopped about 30 episodes ago, which ridiculously is only about four, three and a half months ago. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, so that's that's when it stopped. But um Oh, here it is. It's been great fun. Really good fun to talk. Uh, we, we got into some things at the end there. That was good crack. Um, yeah, I'm like, why have I said that? <laughs> amazing. So entertaining. I love it. I love that sort of thing. Here, it's it's not often we have someone that's been to Glasgow School of Art and has went from three to 75 cattle in itself as a feat alone, never mind running a secondary business with a friend. Um, so no, thank you for coming on. It's been great fun. Uh, and if you do want to <clears throat> do want to follow Izzy, it's either Izzy Rainey on Instagram or Bates Moor Farm. That's the two places to find you, isn't it? I haven't missed any. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so give them a follow. But before we let Izzy go, uh, there is two questions I ask everyone, Izzy. And I don't think I've ever forgotten to ask anyone this. One of them is a horrible question. For those of you listening, Izzy has just given the most hilarious reaction. Up there, actually, with when I said, when I think about things in more than two weeks' time. Uh, <laughs> the pressure of question, what is it? Um, so the first question is, where do you see yourself in five years? Which for you is just impossible, and I can't wait to hear your response. And the second one is, if you had any tips for folk coming into farming, and let's just go for even um, coming into starting a, a, I guess it's an art-based business, what would they be? <clears throat> okay right i can't wait for your five-year answer five years jeez okay i'll be 36 oh god sorry my dog's looking at me as well because she's like Whoa. 
what are you doing? Um, five years time. Oh, don't know. This is really scary. It's making it's me. A my horrible, heart it's a horrible really question. That's really, um. Okay, five years time. I would hope. Can it be really simple? Let's go with it. Yeah, really simple. Really simple. Okay, Perfect. I'm going to let you into a little. I'm. I've just bought some sheep. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. So me and Dean have actually just. That's my boyfriend. We just gone into. We bought five sheep. What breed? Actually, what breed? Um, they're Charolais cross. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we are going to be expanding beyond this five, yeah. but they were a bit of a panic, you know, starting point. So I have got a lot of ideas, but what I'd hope to do is keep building the cattle up with the sheep alongside. Okay. Um, yeah. and I have actually got one more diversification idea, but I'm not going to let it out there. Okay. But I have got this idea, and I just basically it's very simple but i just want to make secure the farm more for the future for sure and it, and it is going to involve more diversification but also yeah just building the livestock up that's a really bad answer but i'm that's really not a bad answer at all that's a good answer i'm really stressed because i can't i don't think that far ahead um <laughs> and then my top tip would be just to talk to people yeah. and ask as many questions as possible um that is literally all i do is sometimes i think i'm probably a bit relentless to some people but um <clears throat> i am involved in quite a few different like sort of regional clubs and different things and quite right. a lot of the time i'm probably 30 30 or more years younger than anyone else Yes, but for sure. it does play. It does play to, and a lot of the time, I'm probably the only woman. Right, okay. But it plays to my benefit because it just means like I'm surrounded by a wealth of knowledge, and I just ask so many questions, and everyone's so willing to help. And I just say like, yeah, get involved in any sort of like clubs and anything like that, and just ask loads of questions. I don't think I've ever seen anyone that doesn't benefit from being that person that speaks to everyone. Oh. And asks them, generally, never. Um, it's probably nerve wracking at first, but. I say as I try and pretend I'm like normal people and feel nervous around people uh, but yeah it's just so good it's so good yeah. and listening to people's stories which I love life stories oh you have to do a podcast oh yeah no but this is what I listen to a lot but I just love <laughs> life stories and not necessarily farming or anything like that yeah just any anything I just love life stories I think it just makes me feel better that not everything runs smoothly <laughs> I, I like to know I think that is the best thing ever like Today I went to go and buy like a lick, a mineral lick for my sheep. And I love, like the girl was like, I, I just went to the till and I was like, I want to buy a mineral lick. And she was like, I was like, for my sheep. And she was like, what do you want? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I'm completely starting out. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, please help me. Cause I, and then this morning at 10 o'clock, I had a girl coming to the farm who wants, she's going to carve her cows for the first time. And I was helping her. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm that person again, like, I, I do agree, just like asking for help and talking to people and listening to people's life stories and knowing not everything's an easy path. Like, I just feel like I find a lot of comfort in that. <laughs> the best stories are the ones where it wasn't easy. I mean, like, uh, speaking about speaking to folk on the podcast and three episodes time, 141, we filmed with a person called Bethany Walsh, who was to 140 meters off of Mount Everest base camp 
Um, so that's like still above five thousand meters, and uh, she had to get lifted out in a helicopter. And she like she openly talks about the fact that like had that helicopter not arrived because it was the last one for three days, she does not think she'd be here to tell that story. Like genuinely doesn't think she would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story that comes out of that is amazing. Yeah, strongly advise anyone listening to listen to Articast number one four one. It's a really good one. It's not out yet, obviously, but um, it is good. Uh, but yeah, no, here it's been an absolute pleasure. Good laughs. Um, really interesting story. Pretty diverse. Probably one of the most diverse ones we've had, which is good. Uh, from art to farming, Lincoln Reds to Highlands, Radio One to Beef Boxes. What more could you ask for? Um, so thank you, Izzy. Appreciate your time. It's been good fun. I hope you've enjoyed it. You said you were a bit nervous. No, I really enjoyed it, and I think I've forgot, forgotten that other people listen to this. No, no, not at all. They love it. They love it. No one actually listens. I don't have many viewers, but for everyone listening, thank you very much, as always, for coming along. The next episode will be 138. I do not know who it's with, and I actually meant to say, I meant to say at the start, just a little update on my life. I had my first, I'm in the last stage of a Nuffield scholarship currently. I had my mock interview in Edinburgh last week, which went very well, and by the time episode number 141 is out i think i will know if i'm going to be a nuffield scholar 2023 so it's quite exciting um hopefully traveling to japan singapore switzerland and holland i'm being very i'm not being cocky by saying this but i probably shouldn't be saying it before but i quite like telling you guys what i'm up to um so that's currently what's going on in my life i'll be flying out to america next month with work and then flying to shetland to speak at an event so quite an exciting few months coming up um as always feel free to get in touch with any people you want me to come on you want to come on the podcast and yeah we'll see you for articast number 138 thank you very much for listening i hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the articast i just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more a plan rural if you follow a plan on social media you'll see the work they're doing to really promote british farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural and on Facebook at A-Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.